Okay, Matt, can we be real for a minute here? Yes. There are two reasons why we survived our pastoral transition out of ministry or two things that we had that I think if we had not had those things, we would not have survived it. What were those two things? Uh, number one was Jesus. And number two was really great therapy. Lots of therapy. I mean, tons, oodles and oodles. So much therapy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, today on this episode of Life After Ministry, we get to talk to one of the founders of uh, Pastoral Transitions. His name is Noe Rivera. He is our licensed marriage and family therapist. We're so blessed to have him on the team. And we wanted you to hear his backstory and what really fuels uh, and inspires him. And I'm telling you, there are a couple things that he said that I'm writing down. We're making blog posts and telling the whole world about at least a couple of the things that he said. Yeah. All right, so stay sure. tuned. Listen, this is Life After Ministry Podcast. Hey, well, welcome to the Life After Ministry podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my wife, Marilee Davis. There you go. And uh, very excited today because we get to talk to good friend Noe Rivera. And Noe is uh, part of the team at Pastoral Transitions and has just an incredible story of uh, really what brought him into this space of this ministry and, and how he got here. And I think maybe a through line for all of us is that we, we have a story. Like there wasn't just like, hey, we applied for a job and we got into this, but that really the, the beginning and the genesis of all of this for us has been um, there's a personal experience. Yeah. And I remember in the beginnings of you and Bill talking about all of this, and it just didn't take very long to realize that there was a person and a part missing yeah. <laughs> from the organization. And that was a counselor, a psychologist, someone who could speak to and and talk with hurting people coming through transition. Yeah. And as we heard from Bill in the last episode of the podcast, that Bill has this wealth and depth of knowledge in the career space and the marketplace and how do we get things tuned up to really figure out what the next position is, the next career. Um, and then we have some experience in actually just experiencing that transition and that loss, but did we do any counseling when we were in our transition? <laughs> just, did we need counseling? Just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, but we, we very quickly realized, um, we are in over our heads and up a river without a paddle as all of the sayings go that we needed somebody just like Noe. And so Noe just want to say, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a major and important part of pastoral transitions and the work we're trying to do. It is great to be here and to talk with you guys today, um, and it's it's been a joy for the past um, you know year or so that we've been starting this up and excited to uh, let more people know about this. Yeah, so we uh, we heard about you through a mutual friend in a counseling center that uh, we've been working with, and uh, said, "Hey, we really are in a a place where we we want to bring somebody in who knows what they're talking about in this area." Um, but let's start with, um, Noah, you're, you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, but before you did that, you have a journey, you have a backstory. Um, can you give us your growing up years and your interaction in the ministry world uh, as, a, as a kid growing up? Yeah, so I'm a, a pastor's kid. Um, and actually, I'm a, a, a grandchild of pastors as well. So it's in my family for many generations. Hmm. And I 
in, in a way for overall, I really loved it. I loved being a pastor's kid. My parents were mainly worship pastors, um, but then at times they would be the head pastors of Spanish communities. And uh, they basically would go from church to church and they were more like apostles. They would help start and build or advance um, churches' worship teams. And through that, I got to go to many churches and I got to experience, um, you know, great teaching under a lot of different uh, pastors. Um, and, and it's where I fell in love with the Lord, too, was through the journey of uh, my parents being pastors. And during a worship service, that's when I gave my heart to the Lord. Um, but I also got to see the other side of being a pastor's kid. And I got to see my parents go through numerous transitions, leaving churches. And some went well and some didn't go so well. Um, and I think in my own journey as well, that ended up being the case too. Uh, some exits and transitions, they go well, and then the others don't. Um, and it's a very um, challenging place to navigate after the fact. Now, Noe, um, we all come from uh, different backgrounds and, and church backgrounds. You're coming from a Hispanic community. I'm curious, what did transition look like, um, and, and how were some of those transitions better or worse than others? Um, I think a running theme through many transitions, and you know, this isn't uh, for every Hispanic community, but maybe for a good portion is um, kind of do it on your own and figure it out kind of that independence um, and put on a smile and, and be okay. And really showing weakness and vulnerability doesn't come as easy, um, I think, for Christians and leadership. But then you throw in some of the cultural aspects there, um, kind of keep that more hidden behind the scenes. Um, and I think that was a, a pattern in many transitions that I saw my parents go through or um, even myself, um, you kind of pick up that type of response system inside yourself. Um, and it's it's difficult to be vulnerable with the community that you are leaving or have left because you are trying to move on. And so how do you find that easy space of vulnerability? Um, and I think for both, I guess, more Caucasian churches or even Hispanic churches, that was the case, was kind of figure it out on your own. And walk through your wilderness season, just like maybe Moses did in the desert or, um, and, and not have the supports maybe that you actually could have and should have, I think. Were your fam was your family, your dad, were these planned successions? Like, was he a church planner and just wanted to go from one place to the next? Or was he often blindsided? Was it a mix of some of those? What was the actual transition coming from the church itself? Yeah, it was, I'd say it's a mixed bag. So, you know, my parents grew up um, Assemblies of God and more so in the Hispanic side uh, stream of the Assemblies of God. And so they they love that more kind of charismatic type of expression of, of faith, but they also didn't nail themselves down to that. So they were open to going to churches. And so I, over the years, we were Presbyterian, we were EV free, we were... Um, ultra charismatic, Pentecostal. I mean, we kind of really hit the spectrum. Mm. And I would say f for some of those transitions, it was forced on them. Mm. Um, it was chosen by the leadership for either to release them um, or there were conflicts um, that were happening and maybe disagreements or a different vision. 
And so sometimes my dad would move forward and, and choose a different place. Um, and I, later in life, I came to realize he wasn't only a worship pastor and a Spanish pastor. He was a, a planter. He was an apostle. So I think some of his transitions, even though they were maybe not chosen by him, I, God worked through it because I think part of him did get excited about the next adventure and the next thing that could happen. Um, and I, it was difficult. I saw him suffer behind the scene. My family, we did. Uh, we saw the pain, the anguish, especially towards the end of his life because he passed away and, and he's um, hanging out with Jesus now in heaven and he's having a great time. But towards the end of his life, the older he got, those transitions got harder um, because you're not a 22-year-old young strapping guitar professional leading worship in a mega church where you're highly wanted and and you you look the look. Um, he was older with gray hairs and, uh, well, he dyed his hair. I'm sorry I said that, Papa, but <laughs> he would dye his hair. And, but the older he got, um, it, it became harder because you weren't as wanted and needed in, in a lot of communities. Hmm. Can you speak a little bit to what it was like for you as a pastor's kid also going through transition because, you know, this is happening amongst the adults, right? You know, this is happening to your dad and your mom, mm-hmm. but it also directly affects you as a child. And we know that families are greatly affected by by transition in and out of church. So can you touch a little bit on what that experience was like for you personally as a young person? You know, what I've learned now as an adult looking back I think for the majority, people did not even know how to help the kids. I think they're the forgotten aspect and spouses in some ways are the forgotten aspect of a transition. You think it's only the person that was drawing the salary, right? but the whole family was part of the community. You know, I had friends, uh, you know, I remember one church, I was a young, you know, middle schooler and was learning how to make friends and hanging out and and when you're in leadership too, the kids, they hang out extra long at church. You, you don't leave right. after the service ends. You stay for several hours and all totally. of the other <laughs> leadership kids, you're running around, playing hide and go seek and causing trouble and, you know, <laughs> and, and having fun. So, you know, for little kids or, or teenagers, you lose that community. And I, I just think looking back, people they had kind of, you know, the hearts in the right place. Like, Oh, I hope you do okay in the next place, or we're going to miss you. But that was it. We didn't, I didn't really get follow-up phone calls from old youth pastors, you know, per se. I didn't really, the old friends, I think our parents tried to do good with connecting us with old friends. Um, I remember my brother once he, he got to go um, travel back up to one of the churches that we had left. And he got to spend, I think a few, a few weeks with, um, some of his old friends at the old church. So I think the parents, maybe more so, are the ones facilitating it. Um, but I think for the most part, people just don't know what to do with the kids. Um, but the kids really are suffering loss of community. And you can somewhat translate that to their developing um, walk with God. They're trying to figure out, wait a minute, I'm leaving my church, going to a new church. I'm experiencing God in different ways. How is this impacting my view of God now? Do, do I not like God now? Because sure. he took my community away. And then we start maybe really wrestling with God and there's confusion there. So there's a lot of intentionality that I think could be done better for children. That, um, And I think 
you know, my parents, they did their best. I, I really don't look back and fault them. You can only kind of do what you can do at the time. Um, but I think as we get more tools in life, such as with counseling, we understand, you know what, this could actually be a helpful tool for, for especially even children going through transition. And so despite going through all of that, you still found yourself later on uh, in ministry and you moved out into the mission field. So uh, any apprehension or hesitation going into that, into ministry? And then what was that experience like for you going in? Yes, definitely some apprehension, but I, I feel like it was a gift because I knew the politics of church. I knew the behind the scenes growing up as a kid. So I didn't go in with as much rose colored glasses. Um, I went in knowing, you know what? Leadership, they're humans too. They're people that make mistakes. And I also went in knowing this wasn't going to be a lifelong church that I joined or a lifelong uh, mission field or ministry that I joined. This was going to come to an end. So I think that was one of the benefits of being able to take into my own adult journey of uh, still joining ministries and churches. Um, however, knowing that knowledge, did it make it easy when I left church or ministries or they let me go? No, it still didn't make it easier. It was still hard. Um, you still need a bunch of tools to get through it. But perhaps it, it, it does maybe soften the blow a little bit um, because you know that you've been through it before, you've seen it, you know this is expected. And you can have somewhat more of a sober-minded perspective, I think. So you you didn't willingly choose to leave the mission field. Um, that was a transition that came upon you. And what was that like to go through that now for yourself? Um, well, actually, it, for the most part, it was it was my uh, decision to leave okay. that one. And it, I felt the rumblings for for some years. And God was speaking to me about it, that time season coming to an end. Um, and as much, and this was in my, I'd say, early 30s, uh, almost to my mid-30s that I made that transition. And so did I have parts of my life together enough to where it went well in some ways? Yeah. Did I not have other parts of my life as much together? Um, probably. And so that transition was was difficult. And I think... Um, you know, leadership, they did what they could, but it's also challenging of how do you even address maybe hurts or offenses or questions that you have with people that you've respected and that you've valued and that still hold a place of respect and value. But how do you, where do you air those grievances in a way? And how do you do it honorably um, when you're leaving, especially Christian ministry and the mission field? Um, how do you say goodbye well and then enter a new season well? So, you know, that was a learning season. I don't think I did it, you know, amazing. I don't think they did it amazing either. Um, I think we all learned through that and and I hope to do it better the next times. So I guess what do you do? Can you explain to someone listening what's your role as, you know, one of the founding members of the ministry um, and why is it important, I guess? In the psych world. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess my, my title would be chief counseling officer. And go. so basically I, um, my role is to help uh, leaders or ministry leaders, pastors, as they are transitioning out, connect them with a licensed professional in their state. 
um, okay. and, and where they're located. So finding someone in person um, or virtually, and not only for them, but also for their family. And and walking alongside them, I might not always give them the counsel. I might not be their counselor directly, but walking alongside them for the season that they're with us and making sure that they have people they can talk to and specifically some licensed counselors. Because the, the beauty of licensed counselors is they've gone through a lot of training. And what one term I like to say is they're professional listeners. <laughs> they know how to listen but they're listening in a very specific way. It's not like talking to a friend, or it shouldn't be. It's not like talking to an old pastor. You know, it shouldn't be. You're listening in a very specific way to make sure that they are staying as healthy as they can. And when they get off track, okay, what tools or what healing do they need in order to get back on track? Um, and, and so that's what I do is basically nationally helping with building a network of counselors out there that are also willing to help pastors and leaders in transition. That's awesome. So coming out of ministry and coming out of being a pastor's kid growing up, you already had a hard firsthand experience. And really uh, my assumption is that that is what brought you into uh, this field of being a licensed uh, therapist and um, even just specifically through a, a Christian lens. But uh, what do you see as some of the unique needs for people who are coming out of ministry? And, you know, one of the things I love is it's not just pastors that we're dealing with, even though it's called pastoral transitions, but um, really any, anywhere in the kingdom. Um, so we're working with nonprofits or missions agencies or Christian higher ed or even Christian businesses. But um, what are some of the unique needs that you're seeing as we have people coming out of ministry um, from a from a psych view, from a therapy view, um, how what what are they seeking, and how do we get to show up and help? I think one of the, there's several, but one way that I think of first is, um, you know, a counselor or a therapist is going to help that pastor see their life and look at what we would call symptoms. So if they find themselves crying every morning, you know, for a few weeks. It's different if you're crying for a few weeks versus it's been two years and you still wake up crying every morning. That's a different kind of symptom. And a counselor can help be the eyes and ears and a perspective behind the scenes to say, hey, let me help you look at your life and let's measure if you are moving forward in a healthy way. And I think pastors often, they don't get that. They want people to look up to them and provide all the answers. They have the answers and um, they're these spiritual giants in the faith. And it's like, oh, well, they should know how to move on. They should know how to manage themselves and figure this out. And, and to some degree, yes, I think pastors are, uh, you know, very well equipped to live life, you know, to a high degree. But they also need help to look at their life and look at the signs and the warning signs and symptoms and make sure that they don't get too far off track. Because it's the second thing I'd say is it's a very lonely time. And so counseling helps prevent isolation. And a therapy space or room can be one of the most powerful places for vulnerability. And we need vulnerability to prevent isolation and to prevent that hiding. Because when we start doing that, then our symptoms, they can run amok. We can get into addictions. We can get into lying more or, or living a double life. And, and that's what we want to try and help prevent and help pastors realize you don't have to walk this alone and we're going to help you look at your life. 
And then they provide some hope. I love the, the therapy room because it is a place of a lot of brokenness. But in the brokenness, you get to find hope in a brand new way. But the unique thing about counselors or psychologists and therapists is we help hold that space of hope, but we want people to find their hope. We don't want to impose our own hope on them. We want their hearts to find that hope inside of themselves again. So we, it's all really a lot about empowerment and agency and personal ownership to find that hope. But you know what? We're going to hold some of that hope for you while you can't hold it yourself. And we're going to make sure that until we get there, that you can rise above this and you can now stand on your own two feet with your own hope again. It seems to like the offering of counseling to a, a pastor or someone, you know, in ministry, it, it humanizes them again. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the church community and the believing community, there's a, ten, a tendency to put our pastors and our leaders in ministry up on a pedestal. And I think sometimes the community at large forgets that our pastors are just humans too. They have all the same mm-hmm. feelings and struggles. And it seems like a transition out of ministry has a unique propensity to sort of stir up a whole bunch of stuff. And and then there they are left mm-hmm. with all their humanness of emotions and maybe some baggage and wounding and, and things that maybe contributed to the reason they stepped out of ministry or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it didn't, but mm-hmm. it seems like therapy is this beautiful place just to address the human experience of the human pastor, <laughs> the human leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And do you find that, uh, cause I, I know there is a stigma attached to it and we got to be strong for everybody else. We got to help everybody right. else, but um, it's, it, I, I imagine that somebody coming out of ministry who's never really gone to therapy, there's a lot of pent up, uh, undealt with right there beneath the surface uh, emotions. And having been on pastoral staff, like there's just some people on staff that I was mentoring and pouring myself into. And I just knew that like if I leaned in a little bit more and if I just asked a certain question, that all of that stuff that was there was right underneath the surface. And it didn't didn't take much of a question to have the tears surface and almost Mm -hmm. this, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all this apologizing for, for the tears and for, you know, like that was messy and I'm not supposed to be that way. How do you, how do you unpack Mm -hmm. that um, and, Mm -hmm. and make that okay for somebody who's been in that role of it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you guys both said it really well. I don't know much, much to add to that. I, I would just say that, you know, behind the scenes, I think ministry leaders, pastors, they are asking themselves, you know, some of these questions that they might not verbalize to other people. Like, you know, what what does this mean if I need help? Or if people know that I'm in counseling, what's that going to come off like? Right. Is this going to prevent me from another position? Um, or I'm afraid of the, the dam breaking. And I don't know if I want to walk through all my childhood issues with the counselor. I'm here trying to find a new job and just I'm, and, you know, or even wondering, wait a minute, am I okay? Is it okay to ask if I'm okay? And will people still value me and respect me as a leader? So there's a lot of questions and I think that's the beauty of, of um, a counseling room, a therapy room, um, like you were saying, that it really does take away those stigmas and it makes someone human again. Pastors are allowed to suffer. They're allowed to be normal 
And it doesn't take away God's love, his favor, his blessing. He wants pastors, I think, of anyone probably need it more <laughs> um, because we it's in a way we want our leaders to be strengthened and supported. But for some reason, many years in our culture, it was more of, hey, just figure it out on your own, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that that simply, I don't know if that's fully a reflection of how Christ wants us to have, like in Proverbs, it talks about before you wage war to have a, a council of advisors and ministers are in war a lot and they need to tend their own hearts. They need counsel of advisors. Um, it's so worth it. Um, and I'd encourage people to find someone that you fit with. If you don't fit with a counselor, it's okay to say, you know, I'm, let me keep searching. Let me find someone that I, that I fit with um, because it could be a really strengthening experience. Um, but I think as church members, let's give our, our leaders permission to be human. And let's remind them, literally tell them, hey, I know a good counselor by chance. Do you, if you're ever thinking a bit, let me know. I can refer you or um, just break the ice and let them know it's okay that you suffer too. And that is, God is not a God um, below redemption. He's, he is someone of redemption. He wants to take messy stories. Look at David, you know, in, in scripture, look at a lot of mighty men and women in scripture. It was through their brokenness, through their um, their hurts and their pains that God brought the redemption and That's still true. used them. Um, so I, my, my question is, uh, what's at stake if we don't get counseling? Um, you know, we were at a conference recently and sat down with a guy who's approaching 70 years old. He came to the table that we were standing at and he just kind of, he was hesitant and then he started talking a little bit and then he went from the other side of the table to, he came behind the table and he sat down with me and he started talking about his backstory and how he was a pastor and 30 years ago was abruptly just dropped and he's sitting there at this conference and he's He's crying uh, about something that mm -hmm. happened 30 years ago. And so my question is, and I, I understand that there's, you know, denominationally, there's some people that counseling is not, uh, is not their thing. Um, and I get it and that's fine. Um, but what's at stake if we don't? Um, because I, I was looking at that guy uh, 30 years later who carried that, that wounding for 30 years and was crying there with me and, and just thinking like, it feels like he wasted 30 years. I wish, I wish it wasn't like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, let me go personal first with pastors. What's, to, what's at stake is their own joy hmm. and their own happiness in life, their own peace and, and peacefulness inside of themselves. And I think maybe more on a, a public scale, what's at, at cost here is at risk is the fulfillment of their call. And let's flip the script. Let's say that instead of thinking that getting counseling or talking with someone like that, that means you're weak. Let's actually flip it and say that actually means it's going to help you stay strong. Hmm. It's going to help you keep your joy. And it's going to help you endure to the final end to get your reward. It's going to help you endure in such a way that not only are you doing the good works of the kingdom, but you yourself are at more peace internally. And I, I think I, you know, over the years, I even saw my dad at certain times that his joy was really 
um, it suffered at times because the transitions were difficult mm -hmm. and after ministry was difficult. And one of the tools that maybe could have helped was if it would have been so cool to see him on a Tuesday night at 7 p.m., you know, wave goodbye, say, hey, guys, I'm going off to see my counselor. We would have championed that like, yes, we love that. And I bet you he would have come home, you know, over time, more healed, maybe quicker, maybe with more tools. Um, I don't know, but I know that that's part of my calling in life now is God has allowed me to see for my own life and to help others um, come alongside them and say, hey, we don't have to suffer as long. We don't have to suffer as deeply. Um, let's go through this so that you can get your joy back in life. I would imagine that with, well, I don't imagine because I think we experienced it, but I think that the enemy also has an opportunity to insert himself into the mind and the heart and the spirit of a pastor when there's a transition that's gone poorly. And I would imagine also there is so much value in in having a counselor to like reflect ideas and thoughts off of and to have someone to be able to say like, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> you know, and you know, like the expression, like, don't believe everything that you think. Um, and just like as believers, mm. we shouldn't listen to every, we have to take, we're commanded to take every thought captive, right? Because certainly there's an evil influence in there. And I wonder, I just, I wonder even in Matt's personal experience as we came out of ministry, how the trajectory could have been different if we didn't have counseling and we didn't have oh. <laughs> those voices of wisdom and insight um, and Christian counselors too, you know, that also understand mm -hmm. some of the spiritual mm -hmm. behind the scenes stuff happening. If they, if we didn't have mm -hmm. a couple of amazing people who really spoke and spoke truth and spoke life and hope, like you were saying, to carry some of that hope in a season where it feels hopeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, I'll, I'll just add that, um, you know, God can move through anyone. So even non-Christian counselors, so I'll put that sure. out there. But of course, having a Christian counselor, I always do recommend because they can have an ear to heaven while they're listening to you. They're using both ears. And, and one I like to, I, I take this from Andrew Shearman. Um, you know, he taught us that there's four voices. There's the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, the voice of others, and the voice of ourselves. And one of those voices is good all of the time. Hmm. It's never bad. And that is the voice of the Father. One of those voices is bad all the time. And that's the voice of the enemy. The other two voices are mixed. We can speak kindly to ourselves or we can speak ugly to ourselves. And the same with people. They can speak kindly to us or ugly to us. And I think a counselor can come alongside and help someone decipher the voice and those voices. Like, hmm. I think you're listening to something that's leading you down a path towards more brokenness. Hmm. And that could be the enemy. It could be the voice of the self or voice of others. And so I think for pastors, especially having some objective and listening ears during coming out of ministry or, or a change can really prove helpful so that they don't have to figure this out in their own head for six months, waking up every morning by themselves. So. Brother, I'm a little upset with you because I've known you too long for you to never have shared that <laughs> golden piece of that wisdom. That was so good. Um, uh, you, have a, you have an assignment. we got to write an article about Four that. Four voices. My goodness. Yes. That was yeah. gold. Yeah. that's uh, yeah. That, We're going to clip that one out for sure. That's it's a good one. Bless Andrew Sherman. He's a man of depth and wisdom. But yeah, it's a good one. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Because I, I, I know, and, and quite honestly, like, 
And even, even just what you said um, of what, what, what would it look like for, for a dad who was a pastor uh, at seven o'clock to say, Hey guys, I'm leaving, I'm going to counseling. Uh, and as, as the person who was that, mm-hmm. as the person for you, who yeah. was that um, we did that. And I, I think that like, if I'm thinking about it and being honest about it, there's always like a little twinge of shame that was attached mm. to that statement of daddy has to go get fixed um, mm. because daddy's broken. And while there's certainly truth to that, that there's broken parts that needed mending, um, we are massive, huge advocates for counseling and to sit in that room. That room has Absolutely. been has been sacred space uh, for both of us. Mm. Uh, I mean, I not not that you know we endorse every movie, but I, Goodwill Hunting for me was just one of that that mm. moment you know, yeah. with Robin Williams and and he said, "It's not your fault. It's not your fault with Matt Damon." Um, and having that moment of my own, you remember that yeah, in Colorado, um, but we've also had seasons. So not just like, Hey, daddy's going to counseling. Mom's going to counseling. Mommy and daddy are going to counseling. Um, but we mm-hmm. even had a season where we had to say, um, that, you know, when our kids were even young, we had to go out and we, we left for, for six weeks and we got counseling Yeah, we did. and we said yeah. the next 40 days so that we could survive the next 40 years. Um, and we yes. prioritized that. And I'd say the, it's one of the major reasons why I think we're, Still together, yeah, and still married, and still we like each other. Yeah, I like you a lot. Yeah, I like you as well. <laughs> so good. Um, but I, I think I'm just thankful for that, and and some of the room that historically the church has provided that for us, and people have provided that for us. And it took a community sometimes. It's a huge financial investment. It's a huge time investment, uh, and it's a huge like heart and soul investment. Like you got to be in it. Um, mm-hmm. So. For, for that person that feels a little bit hesitant, um, for that person who is is feeling abandoned, is feeling isolated, is unsure of what's next, uh, Noah, would you just speak to that person who's in transition, who's experiencing life after ministry and it's not feeling really good right now? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, the, the phrase that comes to mind is to say, you are welcome. You are welcome here. You are welcome to a space to walk with someone else. Um, and let's take off that shame. Um, let's take off some of that, uh, maybe those fears or doubts, and just say, you are welcome. And welcome to being human. <laughs> it's okay for you to walk through your mess with someone else. Um, and you know, the first time doing almost everything is always hard. So yes, is the first step hard? It is. But take just one step after another. Um, you know, like that verse in Psalms, it talks about thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. If the Father's voice is speaking to you to take a next step, then just take that next step and let his His lamp lead you. Let his light lead your path. Um, and there's so many counselors out there. We have given our lives. We have gone to school, paid money to do this exact thing. So you are wanted, not only welcome, but you are wanted. There's counselors out there waiting for your phone call, waiting to help you out. Um, And let's have some faith and hope that on the other side of this, um, you will come out better. I love it. Um, If you are a person who's coming out of ministry and you're experiencing that life after ministry, you're trying to get things sorted and you might just need some help and some direction, um, let us know. Um, We want to be able to help. Uh, if you are a, a leader in ministry, uh, you're an elder, you're on a board of directors, and there's somebody who's about to enter a, a season of change and season of transition, 
uh, we want you to know in particular that it's uprooting. It's, uh, it, it, there's a lot going on. It's not just good luck finding a new job and here's six weeks of severance, uh, but there's a lot that stirs there. And, and we believe that uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we are called to do this differently. Uh, that we're called to do this better. And um, while, while we're not saying that everybody needs to keep their job, um, sometimes these transitions are certainly necessary, um, but we don't want to do them in a bad way, in an unnecessarily bad way. Mm -hmm. So um, we're huge advocates. If, if you are somebody or if you're sending somebody to us, they will get to meet with Noe um, so we can, in a sense, um, triage that situation, try to figure out what is it that you need um, so that we can look at all of the resources that we have. And Noe's done a great job of uh, building out networks as we've needed those. And because counseling has certain rules and regulations state by state, we've worked with different groups to be able to provide um, that therapy experience. And so, Noe, um, I'm so thankful that it's not just Bill and I um, in so many ways. Um, so thankful that we have you on the team and your heart and how you lead with your heart. And uh, I know that you're going to be going uh, overseas to be working with some missionaries who are mm -hmm. uh, in in some just struggle and time of transition. So you get it and your heart is, is all about this. And um, so we're just so thankful to have you uh, mm -hmm. as part of the team and uh, for, for you sharing what you're doing here today. Yeah, it's a privilege. Thank you guys so much and uh, for letting me share today. Love being in this uh, messy journey with y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Nami. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Life After Ministry podcast. If you are navigating a ministry transition or you're in a ministry leadership role and you see a change on the horizon, the worst thing you could do is do this alone. We have two Facebook groups that are designed just for you. One is called Life After Ministry, and it's a group that offers community and support for those who are in transition. The other one is called The Elder Hub, and it's a resource center for ministry leaders. These communities are designed to give you insights, advice, and answers for your questions. We also have pastoraltransitions.com, and there you'll find articles on everything from messaging transition from the pulpit to what does it actually look like to become a community known by our love in every season. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast your support helps us extend our reach and communicate this message. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom.